0: Aloha everybody. Welcome to the second episode of Tada. Um, my name is Jessica Lynn Williams, and I'm so stoked for you guys to listen to this episode. So um this episode, I had the honor and privilege of sitting down with Stephen Morris. He is the founding partner, CEO, president, and board n- member of BioLife 4D. So, BioLife 4D, these guys are 3D printing human hearts. It's absolutely incredible. Um, I was able to, I asked him, I reached out to him and uh, I didn't even like, have a podcast to even reference to, but um, and I just said, hey, like, could, would you be willing to come into my fancy podcast studio, i.e., the dining room in, in uh, the Chicago apartment that my husband and I share? And, uh, and he said yes. So it was a really awesome experience sitting down with him and, and just understanding what he does and what this world looks like. Um, so I hope you guys really enjoy this episode. I certainly did, and um, yeah, all right, have a listen. everyone. Thank you so much for joining. Ta-da. This is like, this is one of our beginning episodes, Steven, as you know. So I'm so grateful to have you here. This is spectacular.
1: Honored to be here.
0: Oh my gosh. Okay. So I just, I want to start, I want to dig, I want to dig right into it, but I really want to get a feel for your story specifically. So tell me about, tell me about how you got to the place that you are now. I want to hear it all.
1: Sure. So what happened was uh, I used to own a medical device manufacturing company. So we made bone screws and plates and a lot of things for trauma surgery. And uh, the company did really well. I sold it in 2011 and stayed on for a few more years and decided that uh, I was going to retire. And after about 30, 31 days or so, my wife said, get the hell out of the house. And so I decided to look for something else to do. So what I did was I went back to my old customers and uh, talked to them about doing uh, 3D rapid prototyping. So in in the process of getting a medical device system out onto the market, it takes a certain period of time and every day counts. And I knew from my old company that we were spending about three to four months in, in the prototyping phase. And I went to my old customers and said, how'd you like to do that in just a couple of weeks? So they were very excited about that. And that was my initial intention to start a 3D rapid prototyping company for medical instrumentation. And as I started to learn more and more about about, uh, uh, 3D printing for medical devices, I started to accidentally bump into things about 3D bioprinting. And which is, which is clearly relatively new. Um, a lot of the life sciences, the different things that go into it, a lot of them had uh, just have never evolved to the point to be able to do what we're doing until very recently. Um, and I started to learn more and more about it. And like most people, I thought, wow, this is incredible. But uh, it's really like Star Wars or Buck Rogers technology. It's not something that I thought was realistic in, in, in the short term. So I started to do more and more research and find out who were the people that were really leading. Uh, the research in in these types of areas, the different steps of the process that I knew it would take to do this. And I went out and met with them and talked with them. And they all said the same thing. They all said that we're literally for the first time in human history on the precipice of being able to do this. So the computing technology, the software technology, um, the life sciences, the things that we're doing, manipulating the cells, um, all of that just has been uh, recent discoveries. And uh, and everyone is starting to work on, on their particular vertical. Some people are in the life sciences. Some people are in the bioprinting or the mechanical part of it. And uh, and nobody had really gotten together and, and, and put all these pieces together. So for the first time in human history, um, we know what all the pieces of this puzzle are. We even know where all the pieces fit. We just need to make them fit. So, I thought this could be an incredible opportunity. Um, I did well with the last business, um, sold it, and and financially I'm comfortable. And decided this time I would do something that uh, could potentially save millions of lives. So we we're concentrating on bioprinting a human heart viable for transplantation uh, because there's a, a massive, massive need. So one out of every three people globally in every developed world. Country in the world die of heart disease. One out of three, and there's what seven and a half billion people that are alive now. So the numbers are just almost incomprehensible. And even with that huge of uh, of of an issue, um, uh, the only five thousand heart transplants took place worldwide last year. And so everyone else pretty much uh, dies.
0: And five thousand, so five thousand, and I, I think I saw on your website six hundred thousand a year. So that's such a, that ratio.
1: Yeah, there it's 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 incredible. It's even more beyond that. That's just that's just United States statistics. If you wow. think about it, there's seven and a half billion people alive, and almost one out of three of them are going to die of heart disease, and only five thousand heart transplants took place. The main reason being a huge lack of supply of donor organs. Um, and then, even after you have these donor organs, there's a huge challenge with people rejecting the organs because it's a foreign body in your body. And then you, in order to prevent rejection, uh, people do massive amounts of immunosuppressant therapy in order to shut down their immune system so they don't reject the organ. And uh, then you can kind of catch a cold and die. Mm-hmm. So there's all sorts of problems. And so the the what we're able to do now is is to is to 3D bioprint a human heart for transplantation using a patient's own cells so they don't risk rejection and because there's no rejection problems they don't have to take any of the immunosuppressant therapy. So hopefully we can take care of all of all three of those huge challenges. At least that's what we're trying to do.
0: Gosh, that is so this is like this is such an overwhelming. Okay, so did you did you think everything that you would do anything like this growing up as a kid? Like did you read comic books? Like what kind of what kind of kid grows into an adult that like no, that does you, a project like this?
1: No, you know it was uh, not at all, not at all. I didn't. I, I was never really that big in science. I, it, I when I was in high school, I thought I wanted to be a doctor until I had to dissect my first frog, and <laughs> it lost my taste for it right then. Um, so I, I I really didn't think uh, that I was going to go this direction. What happened was uh, when I had my medical device company. Uh, I, I changed the focus of it specifically into uh, medical tr- uh, trauma. And the reason is I knew that it would be um, as insulated as possible to all the other things that happened in the economy with uh, the price of oil, with whether or not the stock market was up or down. Um, it was pretty much insulated because since it was trauma, if someone was in a car accident and and broke their leg, and an ambulance would still take that person to the hospital whether they had insurance or not, and the ER doctors would still put pins or screws or those type of things that we made into that patient, whether or not they had insurance, regardless of what was going on in the stock market or price of oil or gas or anything like that. Uh, so that's really why I focus that the direction of my of my previous company to to be as insulated from all those market factors as possible, and then this just grew as a logical um, uh, uh, outspring of that.
0: Yeah. So I mean, you're you're really meeting a need that is really massive in this world.
1: Yeah, it's uh, it's 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 pretty it's pretty incredible. Um, it it life uh, heart disease really if you think about it, one out of three people die of heart disease. So, um in in the United States, um one out of three women, one out of four men, but it's one out of three globally. So it touches almost everyone. Almost every family is touched by by this problem, and and it's something that it continues to grow, uh, as at. Uh, that people have diabetes, people are overweight, um, people have genetic predisposition, all of these things lead to to heart disease. And ultimately, as other medicine and things progress, people live longer. And as you live longer, you're more susceptible to heart disease. So it's something that uh, it's a huge, huge market. It's a huge, it's a huge need. And it's something that continues to get uh, uh, bigger and bigger all the time.
0: So when did you first hear of the so 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 if i'm understanding you correctly so you started off in the manufacturing business in terms right. of manufacturing medical devices and then it, it, then you got into the bioprinting world and so how like i guess my question is when did you get introduced to the fact that you could find ink that could like turn yeah. Into well, you a can't. You,
1: I, I wish you could find ink. You can't find <laughs> ink. That's really probably the hardest part of the whole of the whole process itself. Um, it was it was purely by accident that I got introduced to bioprinting at all for medical for medical purposes. I was I knew when I was going to do three D printing uh, rapid prototyping, which was my initial intention, mm-hmm. uh, that I had to become an expert in three D printing. Mm-hmm. And as I did more and more research, that's when I accidentally kept coming cross things with regards to with regards to three D bioprinting. And uh, and like I said, it, it it seemed just so incredible to me. So I, I went out to the preeminent leaders, people in, in, in each of the different life sciences and things like that and and, and talked to them. So these are people their backgrounds are Harvard and MIT and Carnegie Mellon and Johns Hopkins and, and University of Virginia and Northwestern University here in Chicago and, mm-hmm. and Rice and Baylor and all, the, all these, these preeminent uh, 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 research institutions. And, and talked to those people and said, you're, on the, you're the ones that are actually doing this research. Tell me, are we, are we really there? And they all said the same thing. We're, we're literally at that precipice at this point in, in, in time.
0: So um, can you, I guess, okay, if there, if there was a, if I was to receive an instruction manual on how to 3D print a human heart, like an Ikea manual. Right, right. What would you, Ikea. what do you think that manual would look like? And uh, sorry, could you pull that microphone just a little bit closer to your mouth? I just want to make sure they were getting, getting everything.
1: Yeah, so, so let, I'll, let me explain the process. So, so we start out uh, with the patient's own cells. Uh, so we take their blood and uh, we use their blood cells and we literally change them into induced adult stem cells. They're called induced pluripotent stem cells. And uh, to take a quick step back, everything in your body is made up of cells. So all of your organs, everything that you are is made up of cells. And all of, these ste- all of these cells started out as stem cells. And basically what a stem cell is, think of it like a neutral cell that has the capability to change into any specific type of cell that the body needs. So inside the cell, you have the DNA, and the DNA is like the library of, of all of the knowledge that that cell needs. And so what happens is your body communicates with the cell and says, we need a blood cell or a skin cell or a toenail cell or whatever it may be. And that cell then goes to its DNA and the DNA says, okay, to become that type of specialized cell, this is what we need to do. This is how we rearrange our genes, or does what it does to become that specialized cell. And then once it does that, the DNA then has the appropriate information to tell that cell how it's supposed to act as that specialized cell. So what we do is uh, we take the uh, person's uh, blood cells, which are specialized cells, and we actually reprogram them back to become induced pluripotent stem cells. So think of them like as adult stem cells. Um, Once we do that, we then communicate with them again and tell them, we need you to become these specific types of heart cells. So there's different types of cells that make up the heart. heart. There's different cells that cause the heart to beat. There's certain ones that regulate the beating. There's different types of specialized cell. And we take all those those IPS cells, the induced adult stem cells, and we tell them which ones we want them to be. So we take them, once they do that, and we put them in a little drop of hydrogel. Think of it almost like a snow globe. If you shake the snow globe, you see all the things floating around in it. So in our little droplet of hydrogel, It's a 3D aqueous environment, so it's uh, reproducing the 3D environment within the body. It's the same pH, it's the same temperature, all of that type of thing. It has the cells floating around that we need, and it also has growth factors and other things like that in order to nutrients, other things to protect it during the printing process. Um, as well as to in its self assembly process, which is the really cool part of the process that uh, we have nothing to do with. Mother Nature takes care of itself. So, once we have enough of these little droplets or pieces of hydrogel, we put it together in what we call our bio ink. So, that's what you were talking about. Mm-hmm. And then we use that bioink to literally 3D print um, the 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 organ. In our case, the heart. So most 3D printing, traditional 3D printing, what happens is the 3D printer will melt the bottom of the second layer into the top of the first layer, and the bottom of the third layer and the top of the second layer, and so on and so forth, and ultimately build up a build up an object. Well, we can't do that, or we would kill the cells. So what we do is we Literally, use the bioprinter almost as a picking and placing to place all the cells in the proper place, and to keep them there because we can't fuse them together. We would kill the cells. We have what we call the scaffolding. So think of it almost like a piece of a square piece of American cheese. What we'll do is we'll lay that piece of cheese down on the table, and then we'll place the cells for the first layer in their proper place, and that cheese holds. Support Holds all those cells in the proper place. Those little droplets of hydrogel. Then we put the second piece of cheese on top, and we put the second layer of cells where they belong, and so on and so forth until we have all of the all of the uh, cells in the proper place for the heart. But at least at that point, um, all we have are these little droplets of separated cells. So then the real magic happens, and what happens is the same biologic process that that takes place within your body takes place. So what happens is is the the individual cells now that they're now that they're heart cells the DNA tells them what they're supposed to be doing so there's they self assemble they join together into these networks and they form the solid structure which is the which is the organ they start beating and they start beating in unison because the different types of cells tell them that's what they're supposed to do and once they form that solid object we then melt away all of that scaffolding, and so you have you're left with just that solid heart for transplant. You
0: melt the American cheese, we
1: melt the American cheese, and, and then the heart is, is then, there. Then the heart's then the heart, the solid wow. heart is left. All those individual cells will have joined together and formed the solid heart. It's an incredible process, it's a process that's taken Mother Nature millions of years to develop, but it's the same exact process that happens within your body. Literally all we're doing is we're tricking the cells to think that they're inside your body, which is in vivo. Uh, we're doing it in vitro outside the body. So we're recreating the, the, the right conditions, but we're telling those cells to do something different than what they were last told to do um, in order to form our in order to form our heart. And then that heart becomes available back to the transplant surgeon to transplant back into the patient and because it's made out of their own Cells, remember it was the blood cells changed to the heart cells, and, and which formed this heart. When the transplantation uh, takes place, Um, There's no rejection because it's made out of their own cells and you don't have to take the immunosuppressant therapy to prevent the rejection because it's made out of your own cells. So it's really neat. The hard part of the and the really cool part of the process is what Mother Nature does. If we had to figure out how to do that, we'd probably be 100 years away from, from where we are. But luckily, the natural biologic process takes care of that for us.
0: So can I ask, did you did you guys ever like observe like infants or, or fetuses in in utero to kind of like see what that environment was like and apply some of those concepts to the creation of this of the human heart using three D printing?
1: Um, not really, and the, and the and the reason is this. First of all, it's a, we want to make a clear distinction. We don't use any embryonic stem cells, so there is a controversy for a long time about um, doing things with stem cells because the only source of stem cells were embryonic stem cells. And in order to use those stem cells, you had to kill the embryo. Mm-hmm. And some people that are pro-life felt that that was um, destroying a, a, a living being. Mm-hmm. Um, so there was pretty much a moratorium on that. What we do is we work with adult stem cells. So it's we don't use any embryonic stem cells or anything like that, but we're not taking a small heart and and making it small and letting it grow into a big heart we're literally um, we're literally facilitating the heart to start in in the full size that the that the patient needs so wow. if it was a child um, it would be a smaller heart one of the other things we do is we take an mr image of the of the patient's existing heart and we use that just for to have the right shape and size so we can scale our program down to so it's an exact fit as well okay. so if it's a, a child's heart it'd be much smaller if it's an adult heart it'd be much bigger but the cool thing is it's still a heart just like the heart that they have and so as they grow the, it'll continue to grow with them
0: Wow, that yeah. is incredible. Do it's you, amazing. So do you think like so as the heart grows, mm-hmm. are there any differences between like, you know, if, if an 8-year-old had a heart transplant using, you know, using a 3D heart versus, you know, an 8-year-old who didn't? Like, do you do you know if there are any any side effects or any? Yeah.
1: Well, the there's if now so if so if someone has a donor heart, there's a lot of side effects. So 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 first of all, it doesn't grow as fast mm-hmm. with you if if it were to grow. The other thing is that. Um, our bodies are constantly bombarded by things that aren't good for your heart or for the other parts of your inside, and you have an immune system to protect it. Mm -hmm. So if someone has a donor organ, a donor heart, and they have to suppress their immune system, all the things that your body naturally protects the heart from are able to attack the heart. So the hearts don't last. They won't, you know, maybe the last 20 years or maybe even less, it depends. Um, but uh, they don't last as long as if it was a native heart because we don't have to have that immune suppressant therapy. Um, it should be able to last the person their, their entire life. Um, they, they don't have to uh, take the immune suppressant therapy so, it's able, so we're able to protect it. Now, it's not going to be an exact... As good of as what they did. It's not as good as a native heart because um, there's a lot of nerves and other things like that that were facilitating. Um the connections back with the rest of the body, um, but they're still probably not as good as if, uh, as if nothing happened. So maybe if someone starts uh, actively doing something, whereas uh, a person without a heart transplant, their heart may start beating quicker at a, at a quicker phase. There may be some delays or things like that. Um, but for the most part, um, it, we, we believe that it'll give it back full function.
0: Wow. So this is so. This is. I mean, really, it's like you know, it's interesting. I, I like to think about the way that our technology evolves and informs informs each other. And and uh, one of my good friends, Colin Wright. One thing that he talks about that's really interesting. Is he, he, talk, he talks about how, you know, we, like a lot of us really love Chipotle nowadays, but you couldn't really have Chipotle without having McDonald's first. And right, and right. it sounds like it's it's a similar concept in the sense that like even though like. A heart transplant from one human to another, it's not perfect, but it, is, it was a huge stepping stone, it sounds like, to, to getting to where, uh, for, where BioLife 40 is For today.
1: sure, absolutely. It was a huge milestone, and ironically, um, the first heart transplant in the United States took place at the Texas Heart Institute. Um, as well as the first artificial heart, the Jarvik heart that was ever done was at the Texas Heart Institute. And a lot of the other first, second and third generation um, uh, heart appliances were all done at the Texas Heart Institute. And the chief of surgery at the Texas Heart Institute is our chief medical officer. So we're really excited about that. Yeah, it brings a lot of experience, background, um, dealing with the FDA and things like that, that ultimately that, that we'll have to do um, as we proceed down this path. So um, yeah, it's uh, it's you know the first time that the first time that uh, someone was going to do a heart transplant, everyone probably looked at them like you're crazy. Um, you know, sometimes when I talk to people and they say what you're doing is just, it's, it's too science fiction-y, and I said, well, what do you think five years before someone that was flying, if someone said you're going to be sitting in a seat drinking coffee in an aluminum tube flying through the sky, you know, to get from New York to California in a matter of hours, people would say you're crazy, right? Yeah. It's, hard, it's hard to do, but that's the nice thing about innovation, and that's the nice thing about these type of things is always trying to, to push forward.
0: Yeah, that's that's another thing I wanted to ask you about, too, is um, so the other night my parents love to watch old movies. So the other night they were watching like the old original King Kong. Yep, like, yep. And um, we were just commenting on how incredible it is that these two different art forms are coming together. You know, like you have the art form of like claymation and, and animation and then that coming together with acting. Right. Um, and I want to ask, like, how I mean, you have to have a mind for that to bring together two completely different, not even not necessarily opposing, but two things that that technically probably would have nothing to do with each other, unless or until you bring them together. Like, how do you think that has served you in life? Like being able to collaborate things and juxtapose things that are so different?
1: Uh, I'd love to take all the credit, but what I'm good at is putting together the right team. I recognize that I'm not always the smartest person in the room, um, but I try and seat the smartest people on my right and on my left and put them together. Uh, but yeah, what we're doing uh, takes, a, takes a, a huge effort on many different levels. Um, one of them is the is software, one of them is hardware, the bioprinter, um, but really the hard part is the life sciences and, and the life sciences is broken down into many different things. So manipulating cells in order to reprogram them and, and go through the process of differentiation, which is when you take, after you've reprogrammed them, you make them into the type of cells you want. All of these types of things are, are, are really cool um, subsets of, of, of the overall process. And really all I'm doing is I'm taking people that are really good at what they're doing, each of those div- individual pieces of the puzzle. And I'm saying, rather than just focusing on your one piece of the puzzle, let's look and see how these pieces all have to fit together. And so we're collaborating as a group and and seeing, okay, well, well, this is how mine, my corner has to be rounded a little bit more here, or this edge has to be a little straighter there. Um, in order to do it, but it's certainly not me. I'd love to take credit for it all, but it's a lot of really smart people that have come together um, all knowing that, that that this has the capability of, of, of saving millions of people's lives. Um, and even on our way to the full heart, um, there's, there's a huge amount of impact that we're capable of having. So as we move towards our full heart, um, there's milestone events, we call them our milestone events, uh, that we're going to be doing uh, that are that are going to have a h- potential huge impact as well. So one of those is a cardiac patch. If someone has a heart attack um, or has heart disease and, and part of their heart dies, the heart is one of the organs that doesn't regenerate itself. So so basically right, like
0: you... The, I'm sorry to interrupt. Unlike the liver, right? Like the liver, like if you put a small portion of a liver in somebody's body it'll grow larger right
1: it's it's i'm not i'm not positive um yes to an extent but no um so think of it like if you cut your 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 skin Mm -hmm. it'll scab up and then you know a month later you'll look at it you won't even know it's there it was able to regenerate itself the heart if you uh when it has a heart when you have a heart attack the blood stops flowing to a certain portion of the heart and wherever that blood stops flowing it's those cells just die Mm-hmm. and uh, there's, there's, no, there's no fixing of it through your natural process. So one of our milestones is literally a cardiac patch. So think of it just as a patch uh, made out of all the different appropriate types of heart cells from the patient that we could literally take and put over that area that is not functioning in order to provide it the pumping, the, the, the contractile function in order to repair that. Um, another thing that we're doing, animal lovers are are, are, are going crazy, they love it, is uh, what we call our mini heart. And what we're doing is uh, we're going to print a really small version of a human heart. And we're going to use that uh, to go to the FDA and say, listen, right now, um, in order for you to approve new pharmaceutical drugs, you have to do animal testing, you do cardiac toxicity testing. And rather than using animals, use Go ahead and let's test it on our heart. So hopefully we'll be able to save millions of of animals if we do that, and it's a win-win for everybody because animal lovers love. I mean, who who wouldn't be in favor of you know not doing experimenting on an animal, you know? So 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 animal lovers love it, and then uh, the FDA loves it because, uh, or they hopefully will love it because it gives an alternative to animal testing finally, and the pharmaceutical companies will really like it because they spend. Uh, on average, $5 billion in 10 to 15 years on each new drug that comes to the market. And the reason that is, is because Almost 90% of the drugs that they try to get to the market fail, and most of them fail in the human trials, which is after the animal testing. So most of the things that the animal testing, that, that pass the animal testing, still end up failing in the human trials, and it costs billions of dollars and, and lots of lost time to the pharmaceutical companies. So even if we can reduce, it, if we can provide something that's just a little bit more of predictive value than, than the animals, which are the closest thing we have to humans, but they're still, it's a different species. So it's not an exact, it's not an exact, uh determination of whether something will work or not so we think this will give better predictive value so it's a win-win for so it's a win-win for everybody it can save pharmaceutical companies billions and billions of dollars and there's other things we're doing like on on our way to the full heart like cardiac valves Uh, right now um, that's a eight or six or eight billion dollar market just in the united states for people to have valve replacements and and right now um, you've got your choice of a mechanical valve And the problem with that is it can throw up blood clots and you can stroke out and die. Not Mm -hmm. a good thing. Um, You have to be on Coumadin or on a blood thinner the rest of your life. And ironically, I I heard that up to 1% of the people that have mechanical heart valves literally commit suicide because the clicking that happens, you can hear it and it just makes them crazy. Um, The other alternative is a pretty much a biologic version, which is either a cow valve or a pig valve, um, and there's a lot of disadvantages with those. They don't last long, and there's a lot of downside of those. So we're talking about having a fully biologic possible alternative to that um, with our cardiac valves. And other things like uh, vast small diameter vascular grafts, other solutions to not Uh, uh, full heart transplants. You know, nobody's going to suggest that if you have, if you have a blockage or something like that to rip out your heart and put a new heart in, Mm -hmm. it's clearly for late, late stage heart failure. Um, So all of these are things that opens up the markets for, to improve people's quality lives by the tens of millions. So it's, it's pretty incredible stuff. The, 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 this will Truly revolutionize healthcare, and uh, and hopefully we're on the leading front of it. We believe that we are, um, but even if we weren't, um, it's going to happen. It's going to it's going to have a profound impact on 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 all of humanity.
0: Wow! Oh my gosh! I'm so excited. This is incredible. So okay, a few. Th- I mean, yeah. I, one thing that I just want to comment on that I think is really interesting. It seems to me that that, um, with the way that all of our technologies are evolving today, you know, like our technologies are evolving within film and virtual reality and 3d printing in the medical field. There's all of these different areas and it's just, it's remarkable to see when they come together, like what, what can happen. And, and I'm like, and I'm also, uh, It's it's very it's very intelligent that you guys are kind of it sounds like you're piecing it together so you kind of like you're getting the valves together and you're getting like the flesh together and like one thing at a time and it'll come together to be this really remarkable full thing but it's like yep. perfecting the small things surrounding it that really makes the full thing function well
1: yeah it does and it, it also each of those small things are literally on their own billion dollar market so from a financial standpoint it's there it's just huge opportunities but but more importantly really everyone that's involved with biolife 4d um it really the driving factor is is the potential on on Improving people's quality of life and, and saving lives. We 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 named it BioLife 4D uh, because the fourth dimension is time, and we want to give people time um, where otherwise they wouldn't. And you have you have all of these people that are on the heart or on an organ uh, donor waiting list, and for every person that's on that. Um, you still have a, a multitude of people that need it but aren't on it so if you're over 70 because because donor hearts are, are other organs but since donor organs are so scarce they want to save them for the people with the highest chances of success so if you have if you're over 70 for instance and you have uh, the need for for a heart transplant um, they won't let you on because you're too old Mm-hmm. Or if you have other medical conditions, maybe you have diabetes or something else that can exclude you from the list. So, so these are people we believe if you're over 70 or even if you have diabetes or whatever the other exclusionary factor is, you, you deserve a chance at life. Mm-hmm. So, so what we're doing is we're providing a solution not just to the people that are on the waiting list for it, but for all of the other people that otherwise have death sentences because they need that and they're just being told. Sour, you don't qualify to even be on the list
0: mm-hmm. so can I ask so um I was actually going to ask you about that so I know that you know like if you are going to be relieving or you're receiving a certain kind of transplant that they want to make sure that that you're taking care of your body because as you're saying you right. know resources are scarce right do you think that that will change you know because of the fact that that it seemed you know it once once we get to a point where 3d printing hearts is something that's that's, you know, happening on the regular, do you think that um, there will be as many restrictions as they are, there are now with heart transplants in terms of like how people treat their body afterwards? Or do you think those rules? Well,
1: will the restrictions away? in order to, our, our goal is that the restrictions in order to be eligible to receive a, do, uh, a heart, in our case, it wouldn't be a donor heart, it would be your own heart. Right, right. Um, uh, we'd be alleviating a lot of that. Um, that that's really what our what our goal is um, you know what people do you know sometimes people when when the laws came out in order to have seatbelts and make it mandatory to wear seatbelts people said well then people feel more safe and so they'll drive even crazier so there, there's always there's always there's always different ways to look at things um, but but really what we're doing is we, we want to provide that opportunity to people that otherwise have no hope
0: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um, so I want to, so, so do you think that through this technology that, that um, potentially organ donation as a whole could be a thing of the past?
1: Um, no, and I, I, don't, you know, I don't think that, uh, not this, this won't necessarily work in every single case. So it, it takes some time to go through the process. So if somebody has some sort of a situation where they need a heart right now, um we wouldn't be able to provide them a heart right then on the spot so there, there's always going to be a need for organ donation. Um, mm-hmm. That being said if we could save the 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 donor organs for people that can't otherwise go through this process mm-hmm. um, that would that would make a lot of sense one of the other things that we're going to be ultimately doing is we're going to look we're going to look towards um, banking people cells so if someone is a pre uh, Uh, genetic predisposition, there's heart disease in their family, maybe they're overweight, maybe they have diabetes. Uh, maybe they've already had a heart attack. Over a million and a half people approximately have their first heart attack every single year. Uh, most people just don't have a heart attack and die. Most of the time there's symptoms and, and other things like that. So what we would do or what we're thinking about doing is reaching out to those people and say, listen, you, you may not need it, but why not give us some of your blood? Let us take it all the way through the process and then stop before we do the actual printing. Then if, God forbid, you ever need it, it will be will be that much further down the process. We can get you a heart. Uh, even quicker so 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 there's all those different types of considerations
0: i see okay so so what you're saying is that organ donation it won't be a thing of the past because it's not something bioprinting is not something that you can do immediately because it's the process of trying to get the cells to formulate properly to construct a human heart right takes a couple takes some time how long does that take to get from extraction to forming that
1: yeah we're 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 guessing that it's gonna end up being ultimately about six weeks. Um, we don't know for sure yet, but that's what we believe.
0: Yeah, I don't know. I'm not. I don't think anybody would say that they would like be impatient about that. I mean, it's a human heart. So I mean, like there are very few things. I mean, there are some things that I can't do in six weeks that are a lot. Yeah,
1: yeah. But although you know, listen, that. if you, if your if you're, you know cardiac doctor tells you that you have five weeks to live, you become very impatient. For, see, for yeah, six weeks. Yeah. So it's, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's, you know, it's truly a, a, um, a huge need mm-hmm. and we can satisfy a lot of the market, but you know, still there'll be people that just have a heart attack and die. And uh, there's nothing that we'll be able to do, or even if they had access to a donor organ, it just, it's not going to help them. It's not going to save everybody's life, but uh, it can still potentially save millions of people's lives.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's an incredible step forward for humanity as right. a whole. I mean, this is not a... This is not a small thing. I mean, like even to think about like a you know 200 years ago or 300 years ago, the, the fact that technology is progressing this quickly.
1: Twenty years ago.
0: Oh my gosh. It's,
1: it's it's crazy. Yeah, and then you know it's it's uh it's uh it it's great that technology is moving forward, but you know technology in itself is uh is it's it's what you do with technology. You know, just the fact that tech you know we have. Uh, computers and things like that. Now, Um, if you compare back to like the 60s when nobody had, or 70s, or even the early 80s when almost nobody had computers, what? How has our quality of life have really changed? You know, certain things are easier, and and we're doing different things, and now we're able to sit on our phones and and, and watch videos and things like that. But how has it really improved our quality of life? This is something that uh, has the opportunity to really not just save lives, but in, improve people's quality of lives. And and after the heart, we could take this technology and we can leverage it to other organs. So we could do, you know, if people have uh, um, kidney failure and they have to go in every couple days for dialysis to, to clean out their blood. Um, that's not a great way, to, not great quality of life. And mm-hmm. theoretically, if we could print them new kidneys, then they wouldn't have to do that anymore. My wife is a type one diabetic, her pancreas doesn't produce insulin. Mm-hmm. So if we were able to to 3D print her a new pancreas, she would no longer theoretically be a type one diabetic. Yeah. So there's all sorts of ways that uh, that that technology can move things forward. Um, The most important things are the things where it really can provide a good benefit to the quality of life.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, that's something that I, that I did want to ask about what you mentioned is creating other organs. So what, what made you start with the human heart?
1: Well, we chose, the, we chose the heart for a couple of different reasons. First of all, um, not knowing any, any better, we sat down and we thought about what do all the different organs do. And at the end of the day, the primary function of a heart is just a pump. So so when you're 3D bioprinting an organ for, for um, transplantation to replace an existing organ, um, you don't have to have an exact copy. It doesn't have to be exactly the same, but it has to provide the minimum function set that that does. So we thought that that, that would be one of the less complicated organs in order to do. Um, there's also clearly, Um, it impacts more people than everything else. So you have people, clearly there are a lot of people that are in need of a liver transplant or a kidney transplant or something like that. But that's very very small compared to people that could benefit by having a heart transplant. If you, you know, even uh, uh, when you ask people what's the leading cause of death, a lot of people say cancer. But if you took every single type of cancer combined, it's still less than heart disease. So it really has the. We looked at it as something that uh, had the potential to have the biggest effect on as many people as possible.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. So you're finding you. So you should, So w- what I'm hearing you say, I just want to like. I mean, it's just like, it's so much to take in, but so the human heart was the simplest thing that to be able to create, like, because of the fact that it's a pump, the DNA would be most simple to like synthesize.
1: Yeah. Well, the, simple is never a word that we ever use because um, <laughs> okay. there's, not, there's nothing simple, but, but we look, so for instance, there's other organs that secrete, you know, hundreds of hormones and right, things like yeah. that. And there's, there's a, there's other challenges. There's challenges with every organ. Um, But we thought that, uh, and you know, listen, clearly the heart, one of the big challenges is, is, and once we do our mini heart, our big challenge is scaling it up. Mm -hmm. So our mini heart may be printed using tens of millions of cells to do a full size heart for transplant. You're talking about tens of billions of cells. So the heart's one of the larger organs and, uh, and it'd be, um, have its own complications in in the scaling process so so it's not it's there's no organs that are easy it's just the one that we chose because we thought it would have the biggest impact Mm -hmm. and from Mm -hmm. a functional standpoint we thought that it would be one of the organs that we thought we would be able to get in the shortest period of time not a short period of time but a comparatively shorter period of time
0: oh yeah no i mean that's that's pretty short this is remarkable yeah and, and you've answered so many of my questions like already um one thing that i wanted to what I, that i wanted to ask about so we, we've kind of been talking about the way that technology has been moving forward in such a fast rapid way in the last like hundred years um and one thing that i find really fascinating and, and um you know if you think about you know not only this world but the world of like autonomous vehicles and, and right. ai i mean things are moving forward so quickly and one thing that i'm finding that is that um when you know i listen to people such as yourself talking about these technologies how sometimes we don't even know what questions we should be asking because right. of the fact that it's, that it's moving forward so quickly, yeah. you know, from from like a moral standpoint. Sure. So I just wanted to know what moral challenges do you think that others you know, have presented to you in terms of, of printing a human heart and what are the counter right. arguments you would use?
1: You know, there are, for the most part, um, I'd say 99.99% of all of the feedback we have is hugely positive. We get a lot of emails. Um, every day I get an email from someone saying, this person in my family is touched by this or that person, or I lost a child or a spouse or an adult or someone. I mean, with one out of three people, it's, it's, it's pretty widespread. Um, so for the most part, everyone is, is really, really positive. But um, there have been a couple of, of, of emails, some feedback that we've gotten. Uh, one person was concerned about the ethics. If you're able to bioprint a heart, why not make a bigger, stronger one? So so for instance Secretariat was able to win all those horse races and when Secretariat died they did an autopsy and his heart it was twice the size of a normal racehorse so they thought it would be able to pump that much more blood and oxygen and everything which is why he was so fast so people think well maybe rather than just giving them back a heart why not do a heart with an extra valve or built-in redundancy or yeah. make it bigger so it's more high performance or something like that
0: yeah i was gonna ask you about that because i mean i mean you think about like steroids like this would be like the ultimate steroid yeah, for, like, a swimmer ex- or someone it, in the it, olympics
1: exactly exactly so you know you've got that and with and with any type of any type of uh, technology you've got to be careful that that people don't abuse it in in that way Um, uh, Same thing when they first were able to determine the sex of a child before it's born by by looking at its chromosomes. People were worried, well, if they really wanted a boy, they would just, if it was a girl, they would... Do something, and and so they didn't have the child until they got the one that they wanted. Um, so there's always potential for abuse in in, in anything. Um, really, the only other thing that uh, I've ever heard that was uh, negative was somebody told me that in the event we saved all of these lives, maybe God had intended them to die anyway, and we shouldn't do that. And now there'd be less food for everyone else, to make other people suffering. And you know, to which I said that you know, with all respect, if 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 God wanted them to die, He wouldn't have enabled us to figure out a way to save them yeah yeah so so or he wouldn't have allowed us to figure out that you know what 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 to do to save these people um so so we don't we don't really let those type of things weigh on us um we we know that uh we know that we have the profound good that we have the potential to do and and to help so many people and and so many lives not not just here in the united states but globally so it's it's really, you know, we've had overwhelming support and, and, uh, and very, very little negative feedback as far as that goes.
0: Wow. Oh, my gosh. This is just like it's, it's I mean, I think it's, it's eye opening to see the direction in which all of these technologies can go. Um, and, and, you know, we had talked about, we talked about too, about, uh, like patching up a heart and stuff like that. But I mean, all of these technologies, as you said, are they, they function independently of one another. And when they come together, they formulate something really remarkable. And you were talking about those milestones. Um, but one thing I want to ask about is, is how might this technology, you know, once it comes to fruition, how do you see it influencing the way other procedures are done in the medical field?
1: Well, I don't know how it would really influence other procedures in the medical field, but I know that it would influence the way that they do things specifically related to cardiac issues. So mm-hmm. for instance, some of the some of these things, uh, as time goes on and they see that this is a really potentially safe, viable alternative, um, maybe they don't wait for people to have such large heart failure and pot- and potentially just have a heart attack and die. Mm-hmm. Maybe at an earlier stage, they can uh start intervening and 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 allowing people to take advantage of this tech this type of technology mm-hmm. um, same thing with uh, other things heart valves or other things like that where people might want to hold off as long as possible and and not do something about it mm-hmm. um, once they see that there is a really good viable alternative uh, maybe people can have intervention at a, at an earlier stage and 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 prevent someone from just like having a heart attack and dying
0: mm-hmm. do, uh, do you think this technology could be applied towards Uh, blood transfusions. Um, So is there a way to like maybe extract someone's DNA and then like get like let me maybe, maybe like create synthesized blood based on their DNA. Sure. I think there are yeah. You know, the, are-
1: the, the, the possibilities are truly limitless. Yeah. I mean, the, as many different things as you can think of, there's, there's 10 times that a thousand times that really possibilities. And we find that all the time. That's how these, these milestones for us were, were pretty logical because we knew we had to be able to do the components of the heart before we can do, do the full heart. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but, there's like when we talked about banking cells, um and uh all the all these other things, are, there's just so much potential um uh and so many different ways that this technology could be used to better humanity and people's quality of lives. It's it's almost endless on, on the different different ways that you could do it.
0: Wow. Fantastic. Thank you. Um all right, we want to read that one. Yeah. So um So I guess my, my last question would be, uh, so what, what do you think, what is the world? I mean, so obviously I I think that, you know, when you're, when you're approaching any large project, but especially something like this, um, I feel like having a strong vision is one of the most important things you can have because it allows for you to see what you're working towards when things get really difficult. Right. So what does a world like with 3D printed hearts what does that look like and 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 I want to know like how, what do you what do you see when you see the success of BioLife 40 and what keeps you guys going when things get really challenging.
1: Yeah, well, you know, as going back to what my wife said when I said, should I go into the 3D rapid prototyping where I knew for sure I could make a lot of money or should I do this? And she said, wouldn't you rather be able to put your head down on the pillow at night and think that you s- help save millions of people's lives? It's an it's in it's incredible technology. Um, it has incredible ability or potential to affect so many millions of people globally in such a positive way. So it's, it's pretty incredible. It is, it is, uh, um, it is a, a huge undertaking. It's a huge effort. Um, uh, it gets, you know, it's, it's exciting all of the time, the type of science and things that we're looking at. You know, when when you're able to look under a microscope and see these beating cells that used to be blood cells that you changed to heart cells, it's just incredible to think that that, that type of thing is possible. Um, but it takes a lot of perseverance and it takes a lot of support. Um, we rely on all of the people that uh, invest in BioLife 4D in order to uh, be able to continue forward. We certainly can't do it without the with without the appropriate resources. Uh, we chose um, equity crowdfunding in order to in order to finance our operations, which is pretty new to the United States, and it's a very unique type of financing. Uh, My background lends itself more to traditional types of financing, like venture capital and things like that. Uh, But we felt that equity crowdfunding was really a perfect fit for what we're doing, because what we're doing is providing something or trying to provide a solution to everyday people. Um, not just the wealthy 1%. And so we thought it was a perfect ability for those people who, people like you, people like me and taxi drivers, just everybody um, to be able to invest. Most of the time, uh, opportunities to invest in things like this are, are typically for only high net worth individuals and, and John Q. Public like you and me um, don't typically have the opportunities to, to get involved with something like this, get involved on the ground floor of, a, of an emerging technology before it's gone mainstream. So we thought that for both the social component, we're having the ability to participate in something that can save millions of lives, as well as looking at it not as a donation, but as an investment. And go to our website and uh, and and inv- literally buy stock in the company, and be a shareholder, an investor, and we use those funds in order to uh, in order to push forward with the science. So it's it's something that's for the people that needs to be supported by the people. So we're we're pretty excited about that, but uh, we we need to continue and 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 have everybody support. Otherwise, at some point, the the efforts will will grind, you know, will slow down, which mm-hmm. we don't want to have happen.
0: Well, it's certainly a remarkable thing. And um thank you so much for doing what you do. I think it's a really incredible thing when you encounter somebody who's very in touch with the realities of other people's lives and everyday and everyday living and somebody who really takes into account how they can contribute to their lives and make it so that their lives are a little bit easier, a little bit better, they're able to have a couple more years left, you know, or several years left in you know, in another circumstance in which that wouldn't be the case and uh I like your wife. She well, sounds like well, a brilliant you. woman. And
1: and you know the uh, of course she is. <laughs> um. Uh. And every and every guy everyone that's married knows exactly that of course she is. Um, <laughs> you know it's a it's a it's a it's it's really it's really cool science and it's really neat stuff and and I encourage everybody to go to our website which is biolife4d.com. And uh, check it out. We've got great videos which explain the process. Uh, th- the process overall is a complicated process, but we've tried to make it. We have some really neat videos and things like that that
0: yeah, you do. the graphics are incredible. yeah, and they and I, I'm really visual. So when yeah. I was watching that, it really, I mean, I'm not I don't have a science background. So watching it, it was able to really like, bring it down to my level so I could understand it like to a degree to where I could see how it could be applied.
1: Yeah, absolutely. That's what we tried to do. We tried to make it so that everybody can understand it and, and everybody can participate And and listen, every, everyone that, uh, that buys stock and becomes a partner in, in BioLife 4D is helping push the technology forward and should be proud that they played their part in, 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 in hopefully saving lots of people's lives, making their lives better.
0: Amen man thank you so much for coming on to the show I really appreciate it I'm like I'm so geeking out so stoked you're here I just I can't even hide it I can't even look as cool as I would like to because I'm just really stoked about it well it's
1: my pleasure (laughs) thank you for having me it's great to be here
0: thank you